Hey, what's up, everyone? This is the weekly edition of ESG Now. I'm Mike DiCibato. And for this week, I brought in some of my colleagues to discuss two stories. First, I have Kevin Kwan and Umar Ashraf, who will help me understand the bond issuance by Saudi Aramco, the world's largest oil company. And then Megan Eastman joins me with Andrew Young, who is our UK expert on social media, to discuss the proposed new regulations against various social media entities. Aramco is clearly the biggest story, right? Literally. Actually, literally the biggest story uh, because it's literally the largest bond issuance in history. Is it history? It's history, right? It's, a lo- it's, it's the largest oversubscription in history. Oversubscription Oversub- in history. They courted over 90 billion more suitors than they had expected. So they bumped up their bond issuance from 10 billion to 12 billion, and everyone was down. But the first question here has to be do we care? I mean, I don't know enough about fixed income, but Kevin does, right? And we talked to him about it. Well, it depends on what type of investor you are. If you're looking at ESG integration into fixed income, you would have to look at you know, the, the maturity of the bond. And also, when you look at each key issue, if you're, looking at, uh, if you're looking at carbon emissions or toxic and waste management, you have to think about, well, those key issues affect me over you know, whatever it is, like the next five years, or is it 10 years? And will the company have enough liquidity to handle those issues? But we know that Aramco, they're not exactly investing in clean tech. In fact, they're no. using the proceeds to invest in oil refining, right? Yeah, petrochemical company, Sabic. So they're kind of doubling it's an, down. It's an interesting vertical integration for their business model. But they, as Umar told me, Ashraf, the guy, he covers Saudi Arabia for us before this call. He was telling me, we don't expect Saudi Arabia to ever implement any kind of carbon cutting policy. We don't foresee carbon emission regulations or a cap and trade system or a carbon tax being enforced in uh, in the Middle East or uh, Saudi Arabia. Most of the carbon reduction targets that the, that the country has outlined are more about energy efficiency or converting to natural gas um, as opposed to entirely building up a new uh, set of, uh, set of uh, industries. So you're an ESG investor. How do you even look at Aramco and say, I mean, if you're buying well, in. That's what's new about this, actually. In terms of an ESG analysis, in their prospectus, they did lay out these new risks. What would be a first with regards to the bond issuance was it would be the fact that the company has publicly disclosed and through its voluminous 500-page uh, um, bond prospectus, it has outlined a lot of the risk that it faces, including uh, including uh, risks that the company's operation face because of carbon regulations throughout the world risks related to climate change, risks related to a drop in demand, um, so much so that the company has outlined risks related to uh, any geopolitical engineering that might happen. So all of those things are a first. I mean, if Exxon has been, you know, target number one for activists, you know, trying to get more disclosure and better, you know, management of climate um, challenges, 
Aramco is going to be 1A, right? If they IPO. And I think that's the thing that's worth watching. The British government has issued a framework for regulating social media. Fines, blocking sites, and I think most consequentially, imposing liabilities onto the company's management. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook was like, yeah, great idea. We totally support this and we will work with you. To discuss, I'm joined by Megan Eastman and Andrew Young. Andrew's actually in our London office, but first, Megan, I want to hear from you. Everyone's talking about regulating social media. Why is this move different? I thought this was interesting because we have been talking about the risks associated with user-generated content for software and internet companies for years now at MSCI, and it seems like maybe we're finally starting to see regulatory action that would be meaningful enough to force the companies to change how they operate, and I wonder what that will do to their business models. I was chatting with my husband about this a little earlier, and he brought up YouTube and copyright and some of the issues that came up around that a few years ago, and how copyright infringement by users with user-generated content had been kind of a a problem bubbling in the background, but they weren't really getting serious about it until it became an existential threat with lawsuits and regulatory action, and then, bam, there was a solution. So I wonder if we'll see something kind of similar. These companies are pretty adaptable when they have to be. Yeah, executives are definitely flexible when the fines are directed at them. They're going to want to keep that money in the pocket. And But that's really all this to me that it seems to be just a threat to the execs. Andrew, hop in here. So you're the man on the ground. You cover the U- you're in the U.K. You cover social media for us. Do these proposed regulations by the U.K. have any actual weight? I wonder if it's like, you know, these regulatory moves, it's just to, it's to show the public that, yeah, we, we, we see there was an issue on Facebook, we found them a billion dollars, let's move on. Um, it's just to show that, that the government is reacting um, because a billion dollars, you know, Google's been fined in the last year, they've been fined like three times, like seven billion <laughs> euros and it's, yeah. you know, doesn't make a difference to the company. They could pay any fine. If this doesn't work, are people going to really turn on the companies, especially the CEOs? Like, people still trade on the fact that Google is cool to work at. Facebook is still pretty cool to work at. Apple is still really interesting, and they're doing innovative things. When will investors turn on these companies like they did with, say, tobacco? And have they already begun to do that? I don't think we're there yet. I don't know if we will get there, but I do think it's interesting that we have fielded a lot of inquiries from our clients who are looking at this from an ethical perspective as well as a financial perspective and who are concerned not only with, say, gun makers after New Zealand, but also with the social media companies because of the role that they played in it. And that, I think, is an interesting evolution in what we've seen from those kinds of ethical investors over the years. So they're not necessarily divesting the way they might from tobacco, but I think we will see more engagement from investors with these companies around the public safety piece of it. 
Yeah, I wonder if you're going to see a mass public exodus from is it going to is this regulation going to threaten the business model of say Facebook? We uh you know Facebook they collect so much data and they can build such rich profiles of their users um that 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 the business model even if 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 the top line revenue might be impacted by not being allowed to collect certain uh, data points, um, they, they should still have a, a pretty good business model. What is quite interesting was in uh, Facebook's recent um, filings, uh, they noted that their quarterly expenses went up, or annual expenses, quarterly or annual expenses went up about $10 billion, and they attribute that to, uh, largely to uh, the safety of their platform, which means controlling uh, the harmful content on their on their platform, so it's having a, a large impact already. Ten billion dollars is is a lot of money in, in anyone's terms, uh, even Facebook's terms. Um, but they're still a pretty uh, a pretty robust business model. All right, that's it for the week. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Umar. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to subscribe and rate us and let us know how we're doing. Uh, We always appreciate the feedback, whether it's good or bad. Have a great week. We'll see you next week and talk to you soon. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. So those are our two stories for the week. They are. Turn pinky. <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's all you got. Your wrap up is. <laughs> <laughs> those are the. Those are two stories for the. Those are the two stories for the week. Each bring about a complication to ESG. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc.'s subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research LLC, a registered investment advisor under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or a promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.